This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up? What's up, everybody? Ricky Whitmer here, along with the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And we are back for another edition of the Primetime Podcast, a special Primetime Podcast. You want to know why, Brandon? Do you want to know why? I do. You know what? Today, we're recording this on Monday, which means we have a new what? The Primetime Podcast has a new what? Has a new topic. Has not a new topic. A new logo. I didn't I didn't prep Brandon for this one. We got he the new logo. He never does. The he new logo's does. launched today, so you, you, every podcast from here on out. I wasn't sent an email. I was not sent an email everyone, about this. Ever, every podcast from here on out has a new logo. This is the first podcast that we will have that featured the new logo before. And you also saw the new thumbnail that we have. So the rebrand has already begun for MVP, Brandon. It's already begun. Hey, I'd like to be clued in on some of this stuff every once in a while. I'm going to uh, make a formal complaint <laughs> to the management team. Yeah. Let's make a formal complaint to that management team. See if it doesn't go right into the dumpster. Right <laughs> in the dumpster right behind me. But new logos. We got great topics here. College football, college basketball, we always do. But we're staying in the world of college basketball today. Before I get into those... Quick housekeeping for you guys. Number one, if you want to help support us, make this thing something special, go check out Most Valuable Podcast Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Most Valuable Podcast. That's where you can help us. You can get a little bit extra for doing so. Also, if you want to buy yourself an MVP t-shirt, that link is also down below in the description. We also have mostvaluablepodcast.com where you you get everything, basically. You get everything. For MVP, audio, video, articles, no matter what we're putting out, that's where it goes. And then last but not least, if you're on iTunes, have Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give the Primetime Podcast a five-star rating. It would really mean the world to both Brandon and I and the rest of us at MVP. But Brandon, we got a jam-packed show talking about the Final Four. We're going to preview those two games. We have the Final Four teams in March Madness. Going to be taking a look at Louisville basketball. Is Chris Mack the right guy? for the Louisville Cardinals to take over for Rick Pitino. And then a fun topic at the end. Duke got bounced from the tournament this past weekend. We're asking the question, will Coach K ever win a national title again in his career? Should be a fun one to wrap up the show. But, Brandon, we have our final four teams. Loyola of Chicago beat Kansas State over the weekend. They will play Michigan, who beat Florida State over the weekend. An 11 versus a 3. Then we have the two ones on the other side. Villanova got through Press Virginia. I wasn't right about that one. I almost was. I almost was. But Villanova pulled away in the end. And then Kansas beating Duke in overtime. I know you're happy about that one being the North Carolina guy on the other side of the table. So we got Kansas-Villanova. We got Loyola-Michigan. I'm going to let you pick. Which one do you want to dive into first? The Ramblers and the Wolverines or the Jayhawks and the Wildcats? Let's talk about the intriguing matchup, the Ramblers and the Thank Wolverines. You. Thank you for talking about that. That's the one I would want to be the intriguing matchup, not the two number ones. Nobody nobody cares about two number ones. We care about Cinderella, right? Except for all the people yeah. over there that do care about them, yes. Pat, Patrick cares. He cares. <laughs> but yeah, talk, I mean, talking about the, the matchup that you have with Loyola and Michigan, it's it's a huge matchup, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a huge, uh, it's going to be a fun game. It's a fun game because, one, Loyola has finally put the uh, uh, the Missouri Valley back on the map, mm-hmm. and, and that's, that, that's a Missouri Valley without Creighton, that's a Missouri Valley without Wichita State, 
and you're still talking about them, yep. and they're in the Final Four. It's the first Final Four appearance in 55 years for Loyola. Mm-hmm. And, Ricky, I think that we can stop saying that this team is a Cinderella and say that this team is a legitimate contender. I, I, I'm, I'm serious. I don't I'm, know I'm, about no, that one. I, I do. I, I do know about it because the way that they – have won their games. Yes, some have been Cinderella-ish. Mm-hmm. But the reason I say I think we can stop talking about them as a Cinderella is the way that they played this game this past weekend against Kansas State. They end up winning the game by 16 points. Mm-hmm. The game really at no point was all that close. They didn't need you know the, the last couple of seconds to get a, a last-second shot off and win by one. They didn't need you know some huge clutch shooting at the very end of the game to make sure that they sealed it with uh, a couple of seconds left on the clock. They took it to K-State, the same K-State team that beat Kentucky. I I mean, this is a very well-built, legitimate contender Loyola Chicago team. And I say that because, again, yes, You could call them a Cinderella after the win that they had against Miami. You could even still call them a Cinderella after the game that they had against the the next team that they played. Who who is is in game two that they played? Tennessee. Tennessee. Yes, they're so Tennessee is so illegitimate. I forgot who they were, but (laughs) you know when they started when they played Nevada, Mm -hmm. they they came roaring back against Nevada. Nevada, I thought was the better team. Loyola showed that. They wanted it more. And then the way that they beat and played against Kansas State. This is a very, very determined Loyola team right now. And I think it's because no one believed in them. No one thought that they had it in them, that they could do it. But I want to say that one one stat that I was looking at, that the Ramblers, of the teams in the tournament, were the 25th best team Heading into the tournament of all the twenty uh, uh, of all the sixty four teams or sixty eight teams based on ELO ratings, which is a measure of a team's strength based on a game by game game by game results, mm-hmm. they were twenty fifth best team. Yeah, that's impressive. No one would have thought that. No one looked at them and thought that they really had any chance. They have put themselves on the map as a legitimate contender in this tournament. Well, the thing I was looking for while you were talking was when you brought up the the NVC, the Missouri Valley Conference, um, I can't remember and I can't find it, but it was basically how many Final Four appearances the conference has had since, I want to say it was, oh shoot, like 2000, or in the last six years, so 2012, if my math is correct, if this is 2018 minus six, yeah, 2012. The MVC has two teams in the Final Four now with the Ramblers. Compared to the other Power Fives and the Big East in that time, Big Ten has four. The Big East now has three. Well, Big East was the Big East. SEC four, Big 12 one, Pac-12 one, ACC four. And if you look at it, counting Loyola, one of those Big Tens is Miami this year. One of those Big 12s is Kansas this year. So, I mean, the big thing I was looking at and someone else said was the Big Ten only has three. Pac-12 only has one. Like, compared to the other conferences, yes, the MVC is there, but the only reason why when you said 
they're a real contender, I went, eh, not so fast, is because on the final four game that they'll play on Saturday, I believe they can beat Michigan. And the main reason they can beat Michigan is, A, they have the Cinderella power behind them. Yeah, they might not have the playmakers, as some say, to beat a Michigan, but with the what we've seen from this team, they're playmakers. That team is going to go out there. How many final shots have they made to win games? Almost every game has ended on a final shot dagger by Loyola to win that game. The thing that could kill the Michigan Wolverines is how inconsistent their offense is. Like that Houston game, I was watching it. I was getting a little nervous, Brandon, because I was like, my, my champion can't go out before the second weekend. I can't have two of my final four teams die in the first two games of the tournament. But Michigan, they survived that game. The pool shot, they go crazy. Yeah, I know. I'm on the train of if Houston would have hit their final free, free, free throws, that shot wouldn't have mattered. Houston still would have won by one point. But then Michigan comes out that next game against Texas A&M. Everyone's like, oh, look at Texas A&M. They, look at, they routed North Carolina. Watch out for this team. They're down 92-53. to 53. What's going on here? Like, and that's the, which Michigan team are we going to get against Loyola? However, because of that inconsistency, Loyola can move on. My question for Loyola is can they beat a Kansas to me out of the one seeds on the other side? Kansas would be the one I would want to see if I'm Loyola. Villanova is not the team I would want to see if I'm Loyola. If there's any team that can just dismantle this Loyola team, it's Jay Wright and the Wildcats. Because to me, the weaker of the one seeds would be Kansas because, yes, they're playing good right now. They've played well since the conference tournament, but we've seen Kansas at their worst. And we don't know if that's ever going to pop up either on Saturday or on Monday against Villanova. Well, I I think that if you're Loyola right now, you're obviously looking at the next game that's coming up for you, and you're looking at Michigan. But at the same time, also, if you're... Loyola, you're saying we don't care. Bring on whoever. Mm-hmm. Bring on whoever. It it does not matter to us because yeah. we're ready for anybody. We're ready for anybody. And uh, an interesting stat is that teams seated ninth or worse mm-hmm. are zero and six all time four. in the national semifinal game. Zero and six all time. Never won. Could this be the first this, one? This could be. And the reason being is because Michigan has been so inconsistent with their shooting and their three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. So they, I am still surprised that they were able to get past Florida State, truly. They went 4 of 22 from 3. Just Mo, overlooking Mo, the Houston one going Mo, straight to Florida Mo, State. Mo Wagner was 0 of 7. Matthews was 1 of 5. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they were able to squeak it out against Florida State because they really struggled. They really struggled. I mean, Mo Wagner, one of your best players, goes 3 of 11 from the floor. He does go 6 of 8 from the free throw line, which was very helpful, but they are a team that will, like we've seen other teams in this tournament, Mm -hmm. live or die by that 3. And they were able to still live even though they, they should have gone down probably against Florida State. But if they don't have that three ball working, it's going to be tough for them because the Ramblers, a slow paced, defensive minded type of team, mm-hmm. 
will really cause some fits for Michigan. And I think really can could best them in this game uh, coming up this weekend. But it's going to be interesting. And Michigan can be on from three. I mean, I, I think that's what I said the last time. That's what Michigan's game is. Mm-hmm. If they are going well from three, they're probably going to get things going everywhere else too because then that will bring up perimeter defense and it will open things up down low in the paint. But if they are struggling from three, it is going to be a tough day for the Michigan Wolverines. When I'm in against Florida State, they only had, what, four made threes? They went four of 22 from beyond the arc. But the good thing for them, Florida State was also four of 17 from beyond the arc. And that's the one thing that Loyola this year in the tournament, they've been able to, yeah, they only took 18 threes against Kansas State. And I'm just looking at that one game, but they knocked down half of them. They haven't, like, the way I see this game going is from beyond the arc, Michigan's going to shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and might go 4 of 22. Whereas Loyola, hey, you know, we're only going to take about 15 to 18 three-pointers, but we'll make half of them. We'll make double what you make. So in that category, we're actually outscoring you when it comes to three And the big thing for me that I'm looking at is Richardson for Loyola. The last game, 6 of 7 from beyond the arc. 6 of 7. If he does that again, then Michigan's going to have to do something. They're going to have to pull a rabbit out of their hat because Loyola's going to go dancing into Monday night. I was just going to say, it's a funny story on Ben Richardson, truly the senior uh, Mm -hmm. from Loyola, because he he played 29 minutes in the Miami game. He had no points. Yep. He plays 33 against Tennessee. He has six. Mm-hmm. 36 against Nevada. He has eight. He busts out of his shell against K-State when he needed to. Yep. Has 23, goes 7 of 10 from the field, like you mentioned, the 6 of 7 from 3. If Ben Richardson can duplicate the game he had against K-State, watch out. Michigan, because he could bury you. Let's move into the next game. And before we do, the one fact I want to throw out here is we have an Illinois-ruled Final Four, I'm going to say, because not only is the Loyola Ramblers from the city of Chicago, from the state of Illinois, each team has a player, and really Kansas is the only one that's not a starter or have played in the tournament, I believe, but if you look at each team, Villanova, Jalen Brunson, Stevenson guy from uh, Lincolnshire, um, Illinois guy. Then you also have St. Rita guy here from Chicago. You got Charles Matthews on the Michigan team. And then Charlie Moore, who, like I said, hasn't played for Kansas, but a Chicago, Illinois guy. So really not just Illinois, Chicago in general is ruling the final four, has their little fingerprints all over this final four. What are you thinking about Kansas going in for Kansas Villanova? Because to me, when I was filling out my bracket, The first championship matchup I had was Virginia over Michigan State. That was the championship I had. Then that Tuesday, everyone's talking about the injury that Virginia had. And I heard, um, I can't remember, Seth Greenberg, I want to say, on CBS, say that if you have Virginia in your championship, in your Final Four, this is a change-your-bracket kind of an injury. So for me, I was like, all right, I'm going to have them lose here. Michigan's going to my championship, but I don't want a Michigan-Michigan State championship. I just I don't want that. It, it doesn't feel right to me. So out of that bracket, I said, you know what? I had Michigan State beat Kansas. Kansas wins. Kansas wins. 
Kansas goes on to then lose to Michigan. Kansas has been proven the the Jay Williams thing of don't right now don't bet against Kansas. If it's Kansas versus the field, take Kansas, and that's how they've been playing so far this tournament, outlasting Duke in overtime. They're going up against a team that might not be the number one overall seed because that team lost to UMBC in the first weekend of the tournament. But Villanova is proving exactly what you said on the last podcast that we had. Jay Wright has his boys ready to play, and they might be the most talented team, the most the the best chance to probably cut down the nets out of the four teams we have this weekend. Well, uh, starting with Kansas and the Kansas game uh, against Duke, Kansas since winning it all, winning it all back in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. they have gone one in three in chances to go to the final four. And chances to go to the final four, so that changed this year, mm-hmm. um, obviously, but. That also kind of tells you that this is a, a bit of a different Kansas team, and they're a different look Kansas team right now. And I am eating my words in terms of what I had said kind of throughout the season mm-hmm. that they suck and that um, they're one of the weakest Kansas teams I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. They currently look like a, and thanks to Malik Newman, look like a very strong Kansas team. Uh, When Malik Newman scores 32 points and then all 13 overtime points, that's pretty darn impressive. But Kansas is literally at their strongest point all season long, and it's coming at the right time. And that's why Kansas is really dangerous. Uh, I, I, you know, again, I, I really do hate to admit it, but they look solid. And you, you, I mean, you thought that, I shouldn't say you thought that, but you think that, oh, Svi Mikhailuk, he's like their three-point the guy. But view. how about LeGerald Vick? Man, mm-hmm. the clutch shots that he was hitting in the corner yesterday, along with Newman, the two of them went back and forth on Clutch City because they both did a fantastic job of hitting big shots when they needed to. Devontae Graham does an excellent job of kind of running the offense through him. They really, I'm telling you, they are a different team than they were even Four weeks ago, mm-hmm. they look very good. They look like the Kansas teams of old right now. And again, that has a lot to do with coaching, but that also has a lot to do, I think, with the maturity uh, that this team has uh, right now uh, at this point in the season and, and the leadership that they have on this team. With with Villanova, with Villanova, the reason why I think that they could be beatable and the team that I think that would be able to beat them would be Loyola, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. is because of the fact that Loyola plays that slower-paced defensive game. Yesterday, Villanova scored the lowest amount of points. I think that it's maybe scored all tournament long, maybe Mm -hmm. all season long. Texas Tech just couldn't score themselves. They missed probably 21 to 25 opportunities underneath the basket to score easy points and they couldn't do it they outscored Villanova 36 to 35 in the second half they just looked like crap in the first half if they if Texas Tech would have been hitting their shots and scoring I mean they they could not get things going at all they would have beat Villanova because Villanova was kind of stifled by what was a pretty good Texas Tech defense. The Red Raiders just couldn't hit on their shots. Well, I mean, and not just that. Go back to a game before where West Virginia actually had the Wildcats on the ropes. They had them on the ropes, and then late in that game, it's like, well, all right, Villanova's up 10. Like, then the thing with West Virginia is 
if you keep it like two point, three point, one point game, then West Virginia can come and steal it from you because they play so well at defense. Once you pull up by ten points, it's like, all right, I'm not afraid of your offense. Like at that time, I was like, all right, Villanova's got it. I was wrong. I was hoping West Virginia was win, but whatever. But they've had a close game the last two times. I would say with the Texas Tech, the if they would have hit their shots, but Kansas, except for. I mean, Clemson kind of came, like, Clemson almost came back on him. Seton Hall really almost came back on him. What, like, in a minute 10, Seton Hall decided, we're just not going to miss a three. We're just not going to miss a three. Like, I remember sitting, we were out to dinner, Dave, Sean, and I, and we were sitting there, and Sean goes, minute 10, Kansas has got it. Punch it. They're going on. I was like, not so fast. Not so fast. Time is not over. The fat lady is not officially singing. And then Seton Hall starts making shots, and I was really rooting for Seton Hall, but they didn't win. But Kansas had some close games ever since that first win that they had. Really, even that Penn win. I know they won by 16, but Penn played them tough early on. The other interesting fact I love about this game, the last two times these teams have met in the tournament, 2008-2016, the interesting thing both times 2008, Kansas beats Villanova. I think that was a Sweet 16 matchup, if I'm correct. Kansas goes on to beat Derrick Rose in Memphis. Tear my little senior in high school heart out because I had Memphis winning it all. And if Memphis would have won, I would have won my bracket tournament. And then in 2016, Villanova, that one I believe was an Elite 8 matchup. Kansas loses to Villanova. Villanova wins the title in 2016. So if history's on the side, whoever wins this game between Villanova and Kansas will win the title. And the last thing I kind of want to mention here is kind of popular belief where let's say Loyola does beat Michigan because it would be unprecedented. An 11 seed in the national title. I'm throwing this to you because for me, I would love to see it. Basically, whoever wins Loyola, Michigan, that's who I'm rooting for on Monday. Michigan, because I picked them to win it all and I want to be right. Let's be honest. I like being right, especially at the end of the day. I thought you liked being wrong. I love being right. Everyone loves being right. And then Loyola, basically, because they're from Chicago and also I love Cinderella's. Like UMBC, yeah, I had picked Virginia. Who cares? I was rooting for UMBC late in that game that they would close it out. What do you have to say to the person that is like, you know what, the real national title to me, the game that's deserving of that is on Saturday between Villanova and Kansas and a Loyola whoever, Kansas, Villanova, it's going to be as bad as Butler-UConn. What would you say to that person? I would say that they're wrong uh, because Brunson and Bridges combined to go 7 of 24 from the floor on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They also went 0 of 9. DiVincenzo came in, he adds his 12 points, and he added a big 12 points. And Texas Tech was doing most things wrong on Sunday. They fouled way too much. They couldn't make their shots. They were missing bunnies underneath, and they didn't look like they had throughout the Bunnies or bunnies? Because the bunnies went home earlier this time. Bunnies. <laughs> they were missing easy bunnies right underneath the, uh, underneath the basket. And they weren't doing what they had been doing throughout the, the early part of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Villanova showed that it could be beat. They still also showed why they're a very good team 
and probably the best team in the in the tournament. But they show that they, even the best team could be beat because even the best team anytime can be beat, especially if it's one night and that's all you've got. They can be beat. Kansas, they looked really good, but even even with how good they looked, if Grayson Allen's shot goes down at the end the, on his lose. last second shot, game's over and yeah. Duke wins. That almost that shot almost went in too. Bank it did. Just rolled out, and it I did. was like, "Oh, I'm like." Part of me is like, "Yes, Grayson didn't win the game." <laughs> I was very thankful because Duke didn't win yeah. the game, but I, I think that that's where you just have to say. It's not going to be so lopsided Mm -hmm. because I I know that some would say, well, Texas Tech is better than Loyola. Texas Tech is even better than a a, a Michigan, some would say. Mm -hmm. But I would still say, look at look at Michigan. If they're hitting their threes, they are super dangerous. Look at a Loyola. They play good defense and they have a very efficient offense. I, I think that you, you can't then say that Villanova or Kentucky is going to run away with it over either one of those teams. We're going to see two very competitive games this weekend. We're going to see two co- very competitive teams play against each other in the championship game come next Monday night. And that is going to be a fun game with whoever is in it. So, no, we are not going to see... A, a lopsided Butler-UConn type of game, I just don't see it. I don't see how we can because on any given night, a team could come out and be awful. Even if they're the best team in the tournament, mm-hmm. they can still be just as bad on one given night. And the team that was maybe off uh, everyone's radar could be the best team that night. So I don't think so. I don't think we're going to see a flop game. Well, let's end this. End the topic with just plain and simple predictions. And the one thing before we get into our predictions, you know what I both love and hate about the Loyola run right now is they asked Sister Jean um, what she gave up for Lent, and she said, oh, I, I gave up losing. See, I don't like that answer, Brandon. You want to know why I don't like that answer? Guess what ends on Sunday? Lent. Lent. Guess what is Monday? The national championship. So... Really, I, I can already see it now. Loyola wins Saturday. Oh, they gave up losing for Lent. They lose Monday. Lent ends. All right, there you go. There's a loss. However, the thing that's helping them, Lent didn't start until March 6th. Their last loss was January 31st. Think about that. They haven't lost a game since January 31st when they went to Bradley to play the Braves. It's the last time they lost a game this year. My predictions are simple for this weekend. My bracket championship is still alive. I picked Michigan-Kansas from the beginning. I'm sticking to my guns, although I would not be mad if Loyola did win. I'm sticking to my guns. Michigan-Kansas is who we'll see Monday night. How about you? Who are you picking? Who are you predicting to play? I'm basically the same thing. Michigan-Kansas, Michigan wins on Monday. What about you? Who plays Monday? Who cuts down the nets? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Loyola. Uh, in the Loyola Michigan game, I'm going to go Loyola because Michigan, in, in my mind, is too streaky, and the de- I think the defense from Loyola will be able to slow Michigan down. I don't think Michigan's going to get the looks that they want. Also, 
Loyola has been too efficient offensively, mm-hmm. and they've been too consistent. I think that Loyola that that is going to be a recipe for success in that game. On the other side, I'm going to look at Villanova as well as Kansas played. Remember, Duke got off to two really slow starts in mm-hmm. both halves. They started off, I think, one of seven in the first half, two of nine in the second half. That's not the Villanova team that we're going to see. Villanova is the number one offense in the country. They're going to come out. They're going to show it against Kansas. Kansas, that's going to be a really good game. I think we're going to see Villanova. Loyola. Who's winning between uh, the Ramblers and the Wildcats then? Since our next podcast will be either Tuesday or Wednesday because we're going to watch the national championship game together. (laughs) It's a, it's, I think, I really do think that we're going to see if it's Villanova and Loyola, again, either way, whoever we see, it's going to be a fun game and competitive. I think we'll see Villanova, Loyola. Villanova is, I think, going to be just too much. They have so much experience. They have so much experience in that game. Mm -hmm. And and just being there just two years ago, Jay Wright is such a good coach. I I think that, and, and not to see that Porter Moser is not, but I think Villanova, because of their experience and their senior leadership, I think they're going to be able to win that game. Villanova's going to be cutting down the nets come Monday. If Loyola... Wins on Saturday. I don't want them to lose on Monday. Like, because they're a Cinderella, if they win on Saturday, I want them to win on Monday. Like, I don't want, like, because the thing I don't want to see is I don't want to see Loyola go up against a Kansas or a Villanova and then basically just get spanked up and down the floor. I don't you know think what I mean? See that. I don't I, think I'm not, we'd I'm see not it. saying we will, but there's always the possibility. Like yeah. no one thought that Michigan would come out against the Aggies and basically just backhand them right in their face and be over by halftime. Like I remember, oh, the Loyola Nevada game's really good. Let me check on this Michigan and that game's over. I'm going to watch this <laughs> game. That's basically what I did at the Red Robin yeah. while uh Dave, Johnny and I were sitting there before Pacific Rim, but I don't want to see that. I also don't want to see, and this could happen anything, if Michigan, Kansas, Loyola, Villanova make it. I don't want to see, and I reference that Butler-UConn game, because I don't want to see another half of basketball like that, where Jay Will Will and all them are sitting at like halftime, and they're going, God, that was a bad half of basketball. Like That was probably the worst half of basketball I've ever seen in my life. I don't want to see that. I want to see the out of these four, the two best teams, I want to see them. I think that's Michigan. And then on the other side, Villanova, Kansas. I don't even care which one comes out of that game because they both deserve to be in the national title. Loyola, though, if they make it, I'm going to become a huge Loyola Rambler fan just because you got to rep the city after you uh, your pick gets bowed out. But let us know what you guys think about these games this week, about who's going to win these games, who you got winning the national title. Let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. But B, let's move on into our next topic. And we're looking at Louisville basketball. To be honest, I haven't remember the last time we talked about Louisville basketball. Maybe the last time was when we were talking about how Rick Pitino brought in the strippers. That's, I think, But he the didn't very know anything about time. it, but he didn't know anything about it. That's the last time we talked about Louisville basketball, and we have a reason to talk about them to, again because it looks like they are close to bringing in a new head coach, Chris Mack, the head coach of the number one seeded, not overall, but just number one seed, Xavier Musketeers, who lost to, I believe, Florida State in the second round of the tournament this year. He is set to almost become the coach of Louisville basketball. He's not the head coach yet. 
still hasn't made a decision. But basically what the question I want to ask to you and want to discuss about here is if he does get hired by Louisville, is he the right guy for the Louisville Cardinals? What do you think? I think he could be. I definitely think he could be. And the reason why I think that— Really, anyone's a good candidate right now following what they're coming out of? No, I don't think so. I think you need the right guy to lead this mm-hmm. this program in the, nec- in the next direction, in a new direction, um, of trying to get away from what Louisville— Kind of was. I mean, people, you you brought up Louisville, and people go, oh, great team, scum head coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rick Pitino was good. He had a, a, a good kind of record behind him, but he didn't have a whole, he had a lot of baggage. He had a lot of baggage with him a, a, as a coach for his infidelities and his kind of scummy way of doing things, and we found out that, yes, indeed, he is a scumbag. Mm-hmm. But that's why they need the right guy. They can't just have another guy. They need to have the right guy. And Chris Mack, I think, would really be the right fit there because he he runs a classy program. He runs a classy program. He's a successful coach in a conference where a lot of people, a lot of people, and I, I don't want to say this to Talking be, about the to big be East, rude, right? people write off the Big East as, eh, it's the Big East. It ain't what it used to be. And that's, it ain't what it used and, to and be. And I think that's how people talk about it. And mm-hmm. yes, I know that Villanova comes from it. They're, they were a number one seed. Xavier comes from it. They were a number one seed. We've had Butler come from it. You know, other, other teams like that. Other, you know, formidable teams. Yes, I do get that. Mm-hmm. But they're not in the same con- uh, conversation as ACC. No. They're not in the same conversation as Big Ten. They're not. They're not. There's a reason why I believe Notre Dame, Louisville, and Syracuse all left the Big East to go to the ACC. There's a reason for that. And that's because they are the ACC and the Big East. Like you said, now the Big East is kind of like, eh. The one thing I find interesting, though, about Chris Mack and his records at Xavier. So he's been there since 2009. The first four years were a part of the A-10 conference where he went to Two Sweet 16s and one second-round appearance before that last year of the A-10, they didn't make the tournament. The interesting thing ever since they joined the Big East that I find funny, the first year he finished third in the conference, and they finished 10-8 and eight with a conference record. Sixth the next year, 9-9 nine and nine in conference. 14-4 and four the next year, which was good for second. 9-9 nine and nine the next year, which was good for seventh. And then this past year, 15-3, and three, which was good for first. The times where his Xavier Musketeers have finished 1, 2, or 3 in the Big East, they've gotten bounced out in the first four, the second round, and the second round. When they were 6th and 7th in the, in the Big East, Sweet 16 and Elite 8. So take that with what you want, like lower, seed, like lower record, lower seed that you're coming into it. But I just I find that funny looking at is oh when you finished first or second in your conference you're getting bounced in the first and second round whereas when you're not Sweet Sixteen Elite Eight Chris Mack though is that coach to where eventually like every time we talk about like which which lower seated not lower seated which lower coach is going to make the jump to the Power Five what we talk about in football Chris Mack is always that name I think of where it's like okay. When is he going to leave Xavier to go somewhere else, whether it be a Big Ten, whether it be a Pac-12, an ACC, a Big 12? And for me, this is a per—like, 
this could be a perfect job for Chris Mack because he can come in, he can set his tone right away because obviously Louisville wants to quickly swerve out of what they're in right now. They want to change the culture fast and get Louisville back on the right track. But he can come in, set his culture, set his team basically, his atmosphere, and Louisville's a program to where kids want to play for it. Now the question that'll have to be answered after he gets there, if he chooses to go there, is were kids going to Louisville because of Louisville? Or were kids going to Louisville because they wanted to play for Rick Patino. That's the thing that I think is going to be interesting. Not that he's not going to be able to recruit kids because there's a recruiting pool in Kansas. Louisville's always been a team that when they're good in the ACC, they can compete with anybody. Plus, you got that rivalry against the uh, Big Blue Nation with the Kentucky Wildcats. But will we see a dip in Louisville recruits because it's like, ah, you know what? I wasn't coming to play for Louisville. I was coming to play for Rick Patino because that's who I wanted to play for. Well, no, I, I think if, if Louisville is able to hire the right person, let's say, for instance, they do end up hiring Chris Mack, mm-hmm. you want to play for a winner. Yeah. Chris Mack is a clear winner. He's never, in any of his seasons with Xavier, had under a 500 winning percentage. The close was 17, 17 and 14. 17 and 14, but he's never had under that. Mm-hmm. And that was in his early in, in his early years, yeah. 2012, 2013. The years. So I, I think that guys want to play for winners. Mm-hmm. You always do. You always want to play for a winning coach that has a good program and runs a good program. Guys would go there. Mm-hmm. Guys would go there and and play and to play for someone who's not only had a winning program and had a lot of wins, but has seen a lot of success in the tournament because that's the biggest thing for Louisville. They want to get back to the tournament. They haven't been there. They mm-hmm. have not been there in a couple of years. Well, they've whether had it's what, because they did, ban? I would say whether it's because they didn't make it or they had a postseason ban. Mm-hmm. That's that's what Louisville wants to get back to doing. And I think that Chris Mack would be a perfect candidate to be able to go to Louisville and, and do that. And and now some people you know, may say, and some Xavier fans may say, well, what about his loyalty? What about his loyalty to, what about his loyalty to Xavier? You know, he's been there forever. If he mm-hmm. stays at Xavier, is he going to be comfortable? Yes, he is. Salary-wise, yes, he is. He's going to start making about $3 million, I think, next season. He's going to be comfortable. Is he going to have good teams? Yes, he is. Is he most likely going to be at the top of the of the Big, Big East. East every year? Most likely. And he's not going to get and, fired. And he's not going to get fired. Absolutely not. You've got that job for a long time. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be comfortable? Are you going to be good? Yes. But are you going to feel like you could do more? Are you going to feel like you could go to Louisville, win a national championship with them before you ever might be able to with Xavier? Mm-hmm. Maybe. And for, for all those people that would say, well, what about his loyalty? Loyalty and fondness for a team, those are hard emotions. Ambition and winning are emotion are, are not emotions. It comes from from the head. You have an ambition. You you have a, a, a sense of wanting to win. That's coming from your head. That's coming from your thinking. And no coach ever won a championship using their heart. That does not happen. So I think Chris Mack, he certainly would have a decision to make, but I think that if he wants to be able to go to a school to build a program that's going to get to the tournament and win a national championship, that's that's going to Louisville. If you want to 
have a program that's going to win a lot of games, be competitive, most likely be a one, two, a three seed in the mm-hmm. tournament, and go Sweet 16, Elite Eight, then you stay. You stay with Xavier. But if you want a little bit more, I, I, I think you go with I think you go with Louisville. Well, and the one thing that confuses me right now is so the one point I want to hit on is your Louisville getting back to the tournament because I was looking on ESPN and their tournament history. The furthest date that they have back is 2008, and I'm like, Louisville's been to the tournament like in 07 and such. Yeah, they have. Um, they've been to so consistently under Patino. Patino got there in 01. They were part of the CUSA, made it to the uh, NCAA tournament three times. Consistently, though, I'm going to start with the 07 season where they made the round of 32, then Elite Eight, Elite Eight, then 64-64, which is the first round, then the vacated ones were Final Four, National Champion, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and then the one year where they were ineligible before going to the round of 32 and losing to Michigan in 2017. The thing Chris Mack would bring, and this would make him, to me, the right guy for Louisville, is you'd be able to make the tournament. Because not only are you Louisville, not only do you play for the ACC, if you just have a winning record and finish in the top, what, seven or eight in the ACC, the worst you can do is be like Syracuse and be a play-in winner. But look at what Syracuse was able to do. They almost beat Duke and went back to the Elite Eight. Like, they almost made a run like they made when we got to see them live, when they beat, oh, who was it? They beat um, Gonzaga in the game we saw, and then they that Elite Eight game we weren't able to see, they played, um, I think it was Virginia, because Virginia beat Iowa State that year um, at the UC. Louisville is a team that wants to go back. Their fan base expects to go back to the tournament each and every year. Chris Mack, you're right, could be that guy. The thing that I look at, though, is... A, does he want to leave Xavier? That's a thing where, what, last year we talked about the guy from Winthrop, where he was like, oh, I'm going to take this job, but then was like, no, 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 I'm not going to take that job. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay here. I really want to stay here. First, the question is, does Chris Mack want to leave? Second, the question is, is Louisville the job he wants to leave for? Because it could be, yeah, I want to leave, just not for you. Um, basically, in that situation, is like, yeah, I want to take a step up. I don't want to go into that situation. I'll stay here at Xavier. That's the second part. Is Louisville the job he wants to go to? And then number three is what is he going to be able to do once he's at Louisville? And to me, as long as he can continue to bring in the players that Louisville has been able to bring in, I know that a lot of people are going, yeah, with prostitutes like Rick Pitino did or with strippers. Yeah, that's not going to happen under Chris Mack. But if he's able to bring in players, Louisville will be competitive under him and will be a tournament threat. I'll say tournament threat each and every year with him and could be a top seed in the tournament each year with him. Well, well, Chris Mack, and, and I want to go to to some quotes that he said mm-hmm. last year yeah. uh, when they were Elite Eight um, mm-hmm. in the tournament. 
Uh, and he said, quote, I'm excited about the future of our program and proud to be the head coach of my alma mater. So that's a big thing. That being his, mm-hmm. you know, with Xavier being his alma mater. He could want to stay there for You have life. a huge attachment right there. He continues, quote, Xavier is a special place. It is especially gratifying to receive the support from the entire Xavier community in my hometown of Cincinnati. We have lofty goals for our basketball pro- program, and that ongoing support will be a big key to reaching our goals, end quote. It's go- It would be very difficult, I think, for him. It would be no easy decision. Mm-hmm. And it's no Louisville, you know, big, you know, big time school, ACC, huge. I'm going there. That's mm-hmm. easy. No. It would be leaving your alma mater. It would be leaving your hometown. It would be leaving a, 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 a team that you have been with for a long time and you're locked in to be with mm-hmm. for a continuous long time through Upward. 2022, 2023. You're uprooting so your family. You, you you are doing that. Is that part of the job in the business? Yes, it yeah. is. But but I think that it's 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 much more difficult than just saying, well, look at all these things that Louisville could offer. Look at all this exposure. Look at it, it's at a different level. Yes, but you're still working. You're in the midst of trying to take Xavier to the next level. You're mm-hmm. in the midst of trying to take Xavier to Villanova status. Mm-hmm. I mean, Villanova isn't just, oh, they're a Big East team. Villanova's a, they could go to the tournament every year and win it team. Yeah. And that's where Chris Mack's trying to take him. And by going to Louisville, are you starting over? You are, but mm-hmm. you're not. Because it's Louisville. You're not going to be start. It's not like when we talked about a week ago when we talked about um, from from Indiana, help me out here. You're talking about Tom Crane. Tom Crane. He's not going. You're not going to a Georgia, Georgia and having to try and yeah, you're 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 good ish. You, you're not below five hundred. They're going to have to build up. They're going to have to build some stuff up. I still think that he'll be building up quickly because yeah. of who he is and the success he's had. But you're Louisville. Yeah, Louisville and Georgia. It, it, there's mm-hmm. no there's no contest. You're but a, you're a basketball powerhouse. You, if you're you are. You absolutely are. And people want to play for you. One mm-hmm. because you're Louisville. That's easy enough. Two because you're Chris Mack. And look at what you did over here mm-hmm. with Xavier. And think about what you can do. Look with about us. what you could do with Louisville. Mm-hmm. Given all the talent that you have, I mean that's just a huge pool of talent wanting to come to Louisville for Louisville, and then wanting to come to Louisville for Chris Mack and his success and his record of success. Mm-hmm. Again, not only in the regular season but in the tournament, I think that's a huge thing. But it's it's it is going to be difficult. It's a it, anyone who would say that that's an easy decision, I would certainly go with Louisville. Well, They've got to be crazy because it's 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 difficult. It's difficult because you want to build something mm-hmm. anywhere you go in any any career, any profession you go. You want to build something. You well, want to be able to see. Go on you want to see the fruits of that, and he's. Wanting to, I, I, he's got to want to see it at Xavier. Let's go on that because for me right now, and I don't know Chris Mack. I'm not in his head. I don't talk to him every day, although I'd love to. Um, if I am going to guesstimate, put myself into the shoes of myself if I was Chris Mack, it'd be a 50-50 decision for me. 50-50 right down the line because I'll let you into a little personal life for me. When I was getting my teaching license here in Illinois, I audit or not auditioned. I interviewed for a job at my alma mater where I went to high school. If I would have got that job, Brandon would have never wanted to leave. I would have been happy staying there the rest of my life. So for me to take that situation, put it into this situation, if it was me, 50-50 right down the line to where it would be a hard, 
I want to stay at Cincinnati. I want to make, well, Xavier in Cincinnati. I know Xavier fans were like, what are you talking about, Ricky? We hate Cincinnati. But Xavier in Cincinnati, I want to stay here with Xavier. I want to make this program all that it can be because we are not done yet. Because that's another thing. If he leaves, the kids that were there that came for him, wait a second. Our goal ain't done. Our goal would be like Villanova to win a national championship. We aren't done. And you're abandoning on that? You're abandoning us on that to go to Louisville? That's really like not saying every player would be like that, but that's what I would feel if I was a player to where it's like, oh, oh, I see how it is. You want to go, you want to co coach the big dogs, but don't want to stay here with us and take us to the national championship. And for Chris Mack, if I was him, it'd be 50-50. I'd want to stay at my alma mater because you got to love the place to be there, to graduate from there, to basically be Xavier. However, it would be calling like, ooh, like the ACC, that next step. Career-wise, this would be a big career move for me. That's why for me, 50-50. If you were Chris Mack, what would the percentages be for you? And what do you think the percentages are for Chris Mack staying or going. Well, I, I think too is that it's it's about your it's about your family. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're at this point, you've got family a wife, first. you've got kids, you have to be looking out for for your family and setting up your family well, this and you know, in the in the best home, in the best position. And now your kids have called home, but at the same time, if Louisville's calling saying, "Hey, we're going to give you a thirty million dollar contract cha-ching, over cha-ching. five or six years." That's that's real mm-hmm. difficult to, to say up. no to. Even when you're getting a good contract at Xavier mm-hmm. and you've you've just been extended. Yeah. I mean, you getting you'd be getting some a real good contract over at, at, with with Louisville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's got to be an, an incredibly difficult decision for Chris Mack. If I'm Chris Mack, I'm probably leaning I'm probably leaning 60-40. And In I'm favor of... Prob- I, and, and I was going to get to that. Okay. And I'm probably leaning the 60-40 truly in favor of Xavier. In the biz, we call that a tease, by the way. In the biz, we call... You, you teased us there by saying 60-40 and then giving us that pause. I'm probably leaning the 60-40 with the 60 going towards Xavier because, okay. because I think you're on the cusp. Mm-hmm. And yes, you 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 get bounced this season earlier than you would have liked to by Florida State, but Florida State turns out to be a pretty legitimate uh, threat in, in, in the tournament in an Elite Eight team. But it's like, especially especially with how things went down this season, mm-hmm. we're not done yet. We are not done yet. That is not how I want things to end. In my Xavier coaching career. Now, if it was like another Elite Eight bounce or like, oh, we got to the Final Four and got bounced, that might have been a different thing where it's like, if you go to the Final Four, then it's like, okay, I can have a sense of we've accomplished something. Like that I can leave and not feel like I'm abandoning. Whereas another Elite Eight is like, okay, maybe we've hit the plateau. Maybe me at Xavier, I've hit the plateau and this is where I'm going to be able to hit. This is my ceiling because the ceiling is the roof, at Xavier. Whereas you get bounced in the second round, it's like, whoa, 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 I know we can get a lot farther than this. And I might not be happy leaving because we got bounced in the second round. Yeah, it's a, it's a, 
I mean, as we've been saying, it's a tough decision, especially especially because of everything that 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 Mac has, mm-hmm. especially because of Xavier being the alma mater, especially because Cincinnati being mm-hmm. the hometown. It's not like he he grew up in Denver yeah. and you know now he's just you know he's here on you know just uh, mm-hmm. this is his third coaching stint and mm-hmm. all, all this stuff. That's not that is not the case. He yeah. has got roots here. He has got a lot of roots mm-hmm. here, and to just leave those behind in the rearview mirror knowing that you're you're probably not going to be going back there to be coaching again and you you've got Louisville you know l- looking forward that is not as easy as many people probably think it would be and the one thing i find interesting is before we close this segment out is there's an article on ESPN that Louisville removed the interim tag from their AD vice Tryra Tryra is i'm saying that right Tyra T-Y-R-A, I have no, Tyra. I, I have no idea who Basically, their AD is. Basically, their interim AD of Vince Tyra, hope I'm saying that right, they pulled the interim tag off of him, and he is now the AD moving forward well, for then, Louisville. Then so I they think, have their AD. Well, then I was going to say, I think that we're very very quickly going to be seeing uh, a, a, uh, a new head coach there. And, and probably, I'm I'm thinking within the next Chris week, Mack? within the next week, we'll be seeing a new coach. This is what you guys come in. Let us know. Or this is where you guys, this is, not, this is what you guys come in. No, this is where you guys come in. Let us know down below. Will Chris Mack be the next coach of Louisville basketball? If not, who? will be the next coach of the Cardinals. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. But, Brandon, let's move on into our final topic. And for you guys listening and watching, Brandon and I, I actually forgot about something that I really wanted to talk about here on the Primetime Podcast. So we're doing it. We're calling it audible. We're actually calling a timeout. We're making a change to the play. We're not going to talk about our Coach K segment. What we are going to do is we're going to talk about what the Big East has proposed and has recommended, I should say, that the NCAA does. So right now, with the NBA draft, we have the one-and-done rule. We have news that Adam Silver and the NBA want to abolish the one-and-done rule, basically making it to where you want to try to come to the NBA out of high school? Go ahead. You can do that. Oh, you want to play overseas? Go ahead. You can do that. You want to try to play in the G League? Go ahead. You can do that. And we've talked about this on both the Fast Break Primetime Podcast, but the Big East has recommended that just on the NCAA side that, so I'm reading the ESPN article right here. So the Big East plan calls for an elimination of the one-and-done system, which would have to be done by the NBA, um, which is the result of the NBA rule that prohibits its teams from drafting players until they're at least 19 or a year removed from high school. Two or none would be an NCAA policy requiring basketball players who decide to go to college to commit for at least two seasons. Meanwhile, high school players who declare for the NBA draft would forfeit future college eligibility. So, Brandon, the Big East recommending a two-in-one for the college, just an NCAA policy, what do you think of this? If we get rid of the one and done and basically have a policy on the college side of you want to come to college, that's great, but you got to give us two years. Uh, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. That's basically what I had proposed on one of these podcasts, mm-hmm. just saying three years instead of two. Yeah. The Big East is basically proposing the same type of thing, just using two years. I think mm-hmm. that's great uh, because I think that they should be able to just go right from right, – if they want to go right from high school to the NBA, 
go ahead, do it. Um, and you shouldn't then have to, you know, go into college for that, you know, for the one year and then have the one and done. I mean, it, it, I think it, it helps the player. If they go into college, they're going to be there for two years at mm-hmm. least. And it helps the coach, I think, too, to be able to – I don't know if it necessarily is going to help on recruiting, but it's going to help the type of team that you're going to be building. Yeah. And knowing that, okay, if you get a Marvin Bagley-type player, if you get a Mo Bamba-type player, you know – A you Miles Bridges-type player. You don't just have them for one year. You've got at least two years with them, which is hopefully then for that program, mm-hmm. you have at least two opportunities to get to the tournament, go deep in the tournament, make a run, and possibly win a national championship. You know what? There would only be one team in my well, right now, maybe one or two teams, really only one team that this would be a cultural shock for, and that would be Kentucky. Kentucky I don't know if Coach Cal would know what to do. Like, I mean, Coach Cal has always said in interviews where it's like, I'd love to have these guys for two years, but I don't. I would really want to see that put to the test. All right, Coach, you got these guys for two years. The guys you're bringing in, you got them for two years, not just one. Because they're the main, like, yeah, Duke has some one-and-done guys. And this year, like, Wendell Carter, Bagley, like, Grayson Allen was not a one-and-done guy. Um he was one of the only ones, but Kentucky each and every year is just pumping out one and duns, one and duns, one and duns. There would be the only team that would be really shook by this, but the I, thing— I don't think they'd be shook, though. I think that— They would be, adapt to it, they, obviously. They'd be better for longer. Yeah, they'd they be, would. That, that, that's the only thing. That's the only thing that would happen. Kentucky the, would be better for longer. The thing I love about this, though, is from a fan perspective. It has nothing to do with a draft perspective. From a fan perspective— because how many times during the year, just a college basketball year, do you, you're learning guys at the beginning, you don't really get comfortable with them, like you're not really, they're not really household names until you get to the end of conference play, you get to March Madness, and then by the time they're a household name and everyone knows who they are, bye, you're going <laughs> to the NBA, and yeah. I'm never going to see you again. Yeah. I mean, I will. I like the NBA in college, but like for someone like yourself, where you're just college, it's Brandon, bye, I'm never going to see, see you again. Who cares? Exactly. Whereas this, you at least get to grow with them in a two-year time, plus the thing I like this for a college basketball side, which has nothing to do with the draft here, is... Look at the teams this year in March Madness. Look at the teams in March Madness the past two years. Loyola, who we talked about earlier, not a one-and-done team. I mean, yeah, Villanova has Mikhail Bridges, but Jalen Brunson, not a one-and-done guy. You look at Michigan, not a one-and-done team. Mo Wagner's been there for about two or three years now. These are teams that, when you have more consistency, look at Gonzaga, How many times do they have one and dones? I mean, these are programs like the teams with more experience win games late. And yeah, when you have talent, some of those talented teams like Duke, they got to the Elite Eight this year. It wasn't like, oh, they got mostly one and done, so they're automatically out of it. But because you're going to have these guys for at least two years, that's going to make your teams better, and it's going to make the basketball better that we're watching come to the conference tournament plays, coming to the NCAA tournament 
when everybody is really watching college basketball. Yeah, I, I also think it's it would make the players better. Mm-hmm. I think it would make the players better because in, in that year, after that year one, I don't I don't think they all have it figured out. Yeah, I don't think that, that's why. I mean, how many times have we talked about when we've done our NBA big boards and stuff like that? Talked about. Yeah, we're kind of just going on this guy's potential because mm-hmm. he did, you know, really well, but he's still really raw. You know, he's still a really raw talent. Mm-hmm. They're not as raw of a talent if they're going into year two and they're in college and they're they're able to even work out some of their own kinks. I'll mm-hmm. always go back to Buddy Heald. I'll always go back to Buddy Heald and how he, how he was, changed the shot. He completely changed his shot. Mm-hmm. And look at what's happened to with with Markel Fultz. We're hearing now tonight as we're recording yeah, that he's, he's making his return, making his return, but he's out 68 Two. games. Yeah, 62 because he games. because he had no confidence in yeah. his shot. And he there was no well, he was I mean, injured. He was Air quotes, injured. Sure. <laughs> um, but that could have all been solved. Mm hmm. By an extra years in college. Well, and I, I mean, I firmly believe that. So I think that I think it's better for the player themselves. We're thinking alike. We're thinking alike. And me on a, di- a little bit of a different path, but almost the same path to where the 76ers, Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz, I put them in a different category because TPP, trust in the process. But uh, you look at just this year, Lonzo Ball. I mean, yeah, coming out, playing at a good level in the NBA, but inconsistent, not going to carry the Lakers to a championship this year. Jason Tatum playing on a really good team. He's played well this year. Probably a shock of the draft, probably in redrafts, would be number one overall. But really, who's been playing better than him? Jalen Brown, who's a guy who came out 2016, would have been another year um, of basketball before coming out. Josh Jackson, De'Aaron Fox, all these guys. Jonathan Isaac, I know Isaac, I think, has been dealing with injuries this year. Markinen, just watching him in Chicago, he's had flashes of like, oh, he's really good, can play at the pro level, but yet again, inconsistent as well. And his has to do with the team as well. Whereas you see other guys where it's like, even guys like Zach, like Zach Collins was a one and done. He's starting to feel it now towards the end of his first year. And the thing that I think of is for the draft purpose, do players need to go to college? No, let's not kid ourselves. They don't need to go to college. But another thing that I think this rule helps with, and it's not something that it's not something that people think about because like, look at LeBron James, LeBron James never had to go to college because Greatest player ever to play the game, except for Michael Jordan. Still going to throw that one out there. But because of how much money he's made over his career and how he's invested it, he's never needed a plan B. However, there are some players that might need a plan B if their careers don't pan out or they get injured after a certain number of years. And on the schooling side, what this could at least do is if you're forcing someone like, oh, you're coming to college, you're going to stay for two years, at the least on the academic side, they could get an associate's to where after you get out, let's say you do have an injury in the NBA and you have to call your pro career quits. If you do want to complete coursework, you only have to deal with two years. You don't have to be like, well, I'm not going to do that because I got to get a whole bachelor's and I only stayed 
for one year in college to play college basketball before going pro. So there's that side to it as well. Although I know most people, hey, if they're going to the NBA, they're not thinking about that. But if we get rid of the one and done, the players who are not going to think about that will go pro. And the ones who are kind of in the middle will go to college, stay for two years, and at least they'll be able to get that associate's in the two years, hopefully, while playing college basketball. Yeah, I think you could do that. I think that's definitely a positive for them. I, I also think it's a positive for the NBA. I think you're mm-hmm. going to be getting a better quality player. You're mm-hmm. going to be a be- getting a better quality player, a more ready player, um, and you're going to be knowing a little bit more about the player when you get mm-hmm. them than you do now. I Scouts mean, I mean, will have more tape. They, they'll have they'll have more tape, and and yes, will that. Well, would people say, well, that's that's going to hurt him because, you know, like the the Miles Bridges, oh, if he would have gone last year, he would have been, you know, he would have been great. He would have gotten this big contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look at him this year. You know, he's fallen so far. Oh, Michael Porter Jr., he's got to go now because he's going to get that money. And, you know, if he if he wait, blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. But it's like, OK, yeah, but they're going to be better. There's, they're they're going to be able to, I think, work out more kinks, especially if you're injured in year one, like a... Uh, Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. There's not that pressure on you of, not to say that there is necessarily, I go but I, I got to go now. I have mm-hmm. got to go now. And he uh, officially today, before yep. we recorded, he did announce um, that he was going to be headed to the NBA draft and declaring. But there's not that pressure on you then. There's mm-hmm. there's not that, oh, I've I've got to go. I can have another season. I I just think that overall it would make things a lot easier. It would take some pressures off of the coaches. It would take some pressures off of the players. And I think it would certainly uh, help the, again, I think it would help the very lackluster NBA league that we have right now to be able to receive a better quality, more ready NBA caliber player. Mm -hmm. And the thing that, I mean... The perfect example to this is Miles Bridges, to where some would say last year, and I was trying to look up um, old mock drafts, can't find them. Like, old mock drafts, once they're done, it's like, take those down, we don't want to be wrong. Um, But (laughs) a lot of people had him high. Comes back this year, I don't think he's as high as he was last year, or he's around maybe the same spot, maybe he is a little higher, but... I think what this does is this this rule or this recommended rule for the Big East would not really change the draft. It would not change the NBA draft because, let's be honest, the guys like DeAndre Ayton, the guys like Marvin Bagley, mm-hmm. the guys like Luka, like Luka Doncic, I know he's overseas, the guys like Michael Porter. Like, if Michael Porter Jr. could have came right out of high school, I'm sorry, Mizzou, you wouldn't have even had a chance to touch him. Because he wouldn't have even committed to Washington at first. He would have just went straight to the NBA. So you're still going to have those players go to the NBA. It's that middle tier of players. The Grayson Allen type players. The late first, maybe like just out of the lottery, maybe the low lottery players. Those will be the ones that go to college. Maybe even all the lottery ones would go pro and it would be just the bottom end, maybe 20 to 30 would be the kind of players that right now would be going to college, but really the tape as well. And I know a lot of people, it's either one side or the other, where it's like, yes, I would love to see two years on this guy before I fall in love with him, where there's other guys that are going, no, I only need to see one year. 
I only need to see one year because then we can bring him in. We can work on him and basically change all his habits before he has any bad habits to change. Where on me, I'm the other side where give me more film to watch of a guy so that I can find exactly because human nature is to we fall in love with something right away. We fall in love with it. And then after a while, it's like, all right, I'm starting to notice some things that I don't really like about this. Maybe I don't like burgers as much as I thought I did after eating them every day for 32 days. We um, know that's not true. It's not for me. I love burgers. I could eat it every day. But for the college side, we're going to get a better product because we're going to get more experienced players. And we're still going to have like the low level schools will still have the players that stay for junior, senior year. But we're going to have more experienced players that are at least sophomores and not freshmen playing in games and starting in games down the line for college basketball. I I mean, I just think this whole one and done rule, I think it's Mm -hmm. so inconceivably ridiculous Mm -hmm. why it's happening, why there's that, that force of, you know, you got to do this, or you you know just one you know one year why why you know who is that helping mm-hmm. who is that helping nobody nobody um, and I you know like I said I I had mentioned on a couple of podcasts ago three years mm-hmm. in college two years I'd be fine with as well it, it 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 gives them the player a little bit more experience it gives the player a little bit more time it, again it takes that pressure off mm-hmm. there's more film from the NBA scouts there's there's more to be able to notice there's more that they can work and improve on before they get to the NBA instead of trying to work on it when they get to the NBA if that's if that's the case now not every single player has to work on doing something different. Mm-hmm. You always want to grow and get to and be a better player once you get to the to the NBA. Like Trey Young, he doesn't want to miss yeah. 10 threes a game Maybe when he he'll gets have to some the NBA. Teammates he could pass it to and they won't turn the ball be over. Be outstanding. Yeah. But I I, I just think I'll just that, take 30 something foot threes because I don't like turnovers either, Trey. <laughs> I just I just think that it makes so much more sense. It's so much more. It is so much more sensical mm-hmm. to to do it the way that the Big East is proposing. I think the NCAA would be would be silly and foolish for not looking into this and for 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 implementing it. I really think they would be foolish. Well, and just the end of the article um, has a few bullet points where it says. The Big East called for the NCAA to change rules to allow basketball players similar access to agents and advisors Mm -hmm. that is permitted for hockey and baseball players. The proposed elite player unit, or EPU, would concentrate on several areas. Number one, pre-collegiate guidance for players in grades 8 through 12, managing recruiting events, Agent regulation that would create more straight certification or sturgent certification than the NBA and its players union currently have in place. The EPU would serve as a liaison to the NCAA's academic and membership affairs division with respect to NCAA legislation on men's basketball recruiting oversight of the relationship between the NCAA coaches, schools and apparel appeals company. Yeah, no apparels company. I had it right. And then ethics and strengthening the code of conduct 
for coaches in recruiting high school players and potential college transfers. Um, so they're also thinking that side of it as well. And the thing that I was going to say that I completely lost my last point, that usually what happens, I go on to something else, I completely lose what I was going to say. But the thing that I'll end with this is I think this could be a positive. Oh, I got it. The reason why I'm okay with two years instead of three years is three years in football you need, I believe, because that's a sport where I am coming at you and I am tackling you. If you stay one year in college, then come out, I am sorry. If you are a quarterback and you are getting hit by, give me a pass rusher, somebody in the NFL, a Miles Garrett, an Aaron Donald. You got Aaron Donald coming at your face and you're a 20-year-old kid. I'm sorry you're getting your head ripped off. Concussion, you're gone. We only got to see you for one game. That's why for like a football, you need three years. Your body needs to grow into football. With basketball, kids can, depending on where you're at, kids can come out of high school and compete in the NBA. There is that tier of players. LeBron James, like, how ridiculous would it, it would have been great for us. We would have been able to talk about it. But think about how ridiculous it would have been if LeBron had to go to college for one year, which would have been North Carolina. I believe he's been on record saying he probably would have went to North Carolina. Think of how ridiculous that would have been. It would have been like, come on, we know this guy's an NBA player. You're forcing him to play in college. So for me, I love this. If you want to go to the NBA, you feel like you can go to the NBA, go right ahead. However, if you don't want to, you can come to college. But when you're signing that letter of intent, you're giving us two years. It kind of strengthens college basketball, too, and doesn't make it just a gateway to the NBA for players who can't just come right out of high school. Any final thoughts before we wrap up the podcast? No, I, I think that I really hope that the NCAA takes this seriously, looks mm-hmm. at this intently, I would and, love it. and ends up coming up and saying yes. And I really also hope that the NBA mm-hmm. jumps on board. Adam Silver says, yes, we need to, we also need to look at this. And what was, again, I just hope what, Adam what, Silver says we're what, done with what the was, one and done. But, but again, what was good and what seemed to work mm-hmm. 12 years ago? 13 years ago, is not necessarily still relevant today. Yeah, well, and that's exactly it. And this is where I want you guys to come in. Let us know what you guys think down below of this two-and-done rule proposed by the Big East Conference for college basketball. Do you think it's dumb? Do you think it's smart? Do you like it? you love it? you want some more of it? Or do you just hate it all in general and think that players should just be able to go as they may and shouldn't have to stay for any years if they go to college basketball. But I want to thank you guys for watching and listening. A little housekeeping here at the end. If you want to help support us, make sure we can do what we do. Make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most valid podcast. Go ahead and give the primetime podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes. If you have an account or you're listening to us on those platforms, make sure to check out mostvalidpodcast.com. That's where we put everything each and every day. Last but not least, if you want an MVP t-shirt, that link is down below in the description. want to thank you guys for watching on YouTube. Thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.